I don't know if you receive our newsletter, our email newsletter. How many of you receive that? Did you see what happened this week? You remember how we prophesied over nations and uh, Cuba? Now, I, we had connections in Cuba, and they sent it to various places. But we also prophesied over Norway on one particular Sunday morning. So our prophetic teams just got up here and started speaking into Norway. And then they asked me, well, who do you know in Norway? No one. I don't know anybody. So we just put it on YouTube. This week we were con contacted by some believers in Norway that caught wind of that. They watched it, and they've developed, they use that to help develop strategy. They're believing for revival in Norway, that fi fire's breaking out, and they even have a picture of fires in the hills, the mountains of Norway. And so I, that was really encouraging. You know, we're touching the nations. We're supposed to be discipling nations, and we're doing that. And, uh, you know, if you want to be involved in a powerful ministry, our prophetic teams meet during the week and they speak to nations. And we're going to keep doing that on Sunday morning, too. We, just, we want the Lord to put it on our heart, what nation He wants to speak into. But, you know, it's been prophesied the gospel would be preached from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth and to the Americas in particular. But we're just going forward and believing it. Well, amen. I... Um, this morning, I want to share some things that are obviously related to this day on Resurrection Sunday. But also at the end, I told you I'd invited a very special guest. Well, he accepted my invitation. And so by video, Billy Graham is going to speak. But it's, uh, it's his last message to the church, or last really message to America. And uh, it's about 8 minutes and 50 so seconds or so. And, and uh, we'll have it all set up. But I, I wanted to play that, that. I just really do. And I know that it's time to pass this soon. And, and um, he's, what is he, just south of 100, 96, 97, 98 in there. And uh, 98. Some, 98, that is amazing. God has honored this man. So we, we want to include that, and we'll do that in just a moment. But, but I want to share some things. If you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And um, those of you that have been around here for a while, you've heard this, but one of the first prophetic visions that I've ever, I ever had, it wasn't an open vision, but it was just in my, I could see in my spirit, man, you know what I'm talking about. And it doesn't matter. It's like people have said, have you ever heard the audible voice of God? I don't know that I have, but I might as well have. I mean, there are some times when he speaks... It couldn't be any louder than an audible voice. You know what I mean? Because it resonates in your heart. You know God is speaking to you. It may not be in a voice. It may be in another way. But you know it's God. So you don't question that. But one of the first visions I had was I, we were at a church. It was a Morning Star conference. And uh, there was a cross, like we spoke of, a cross on the wall up above the pulpit area. And I saw the cross on fire. And, uh, you know, I noticed it. And then all of a sudden it went to another scene. It was all of a sudden, it's like someone had poured water over it. It was dripping, wet, soaking wet, and the fire had gone out. And then I saw a third scene where someone had set the cross on fire again. Instead of water, it must have been kerosene, because this time the, the cross was blazing, on fire. You know, it was just erupting. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and I heard him say, The church was birthed with the fiery preaching of the cross. And then over the years, it became watered down. By men's opinions, traditions, or whatever, it got watered down. 
But at the end of the days, God's going to again relight the preaching of the cross. And the cross is going to be preached with a fire and a passion and a conviction that this nation and the nations of the earth have never known. And I, I want to grab hold of that. I want to be a part of it. You're going to be a part of it. You know, you can preach more than just by getting up in a pulpit. Your world is your pulpit. That's the way the early, that's the way the Wesleys believed. And I believe the early believers, that wherever they were, that was their pulpit. The influence that they had. And you don't know why God put you in that position or wherever you are, wherever you work. It's so that His Word and His purpose and His, the gospel would be heard. Amen. Now last week I tried to get you to shout a little bit, so you don't have to today, but I'm going to shout for you. But you should shout too. Because I just came back from the mountain, and, I, and then I read this morning Oswald Chambers. I've read Oswald all my life. Never grows old. I mean, if you read Oswald, my utmost for his highest. You need a devotion. Get my utmost for his highest. Huh? Ut, my utmost.org. And you can read every day a devotion. I'm telling you, there's still fire on that devotion. So anyway, I just come down from the mountain, and uh, the topic today was... You know, you can't stay on the mountain forever. When you come, life is meant to live in the valleys. So remember what you got in the mountain, but be such, be as passionate in the valley as you were on the mountain. So I thought, well, that's appropriate. I just came back. So anyway, I want to encourage you, if you need a devotion, get it. Now let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to move quickly, and then I'm going to save room for one of my spiritual heroes Billy Graham, and he really is. Anybody else, one of your heroes in the faith, I mean, you know, his standard that he set of integrity and morality, and, and he stayed the course all of his life, and he can't preach anymore, obviously, but we, we can hear what he had to say, and it's his last message. But look over verse 1, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, say the gospel, what is that? It's the good news, that's what we're to be shouting. Good news. America needs good news. We've got it. Which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If, say if, if you hold fast that word which was preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Father, we ask now for the anointing. Lord, I'm often reminded, Lord, without you, I can do absolutely nothing. Lord, but with you, there's no holding back. And we ask you for the unction, for the anointing, not only to speak, but to hear the Word. God, we ask you for change this morning. We ask you, Lord, we know that our audience is far larger than what we see. And, Lord, we thank you for opening doors to nations. God, let your word go forth, and as it goes, thank you it will not return void. And that you are doing, Lord, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, the things that you prepared for those that love you in this hour. And thank you for showing them to us by the Spirit. But, God, come in this place and come in our nation. Lord, thank you for what happened in Norway. God, let revival break out. Lord, let that be part of our inheritance that a move of God broke out. And Lord, many are going to nations, preparing literature, getting ready to do things that are... We ask you for great exploits in this hour. In Jesus' strong name, amen. And notice, 
that the gospel, first of all, you got to hear it, in which it was preached to you. Someone has to hear it. And then you must receive it. Not only hear, hearing something up here is no good until you get it where? Right here. You receive it by which you stand. You're not going to, you stand on anything else in this day. You better write a big book because it's going to be a bestseller. You're not going to be able to stand on anything but the gospel, the Lord Jesus. If you're on him, if your foundation is on him, you'll be able to withstand anything. So you hear, you receive, you stand by which you're saved, unless you believed in vain. And then he gives us the definition of the gospel. Now we're living in a critical hour. We say that all the time. I don't get tired of saying it because it's part of the message. But you need to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe what you say you believe. And we need to continue believing what we say we believe. You know what I'm talking about. The shaky faith stuff is going out the window. You're not going to be able to stand in this hour. You say, well, what if nothing happens? Well, it could happen in your life. If you're standing on the foundation of the Lordship of Christ, you'll overcome. Because nothing is greater. I mean, God is greater than all. But we've got to know what we believe. Now, I shared that because I, I heard about a recent poll from the BBC. Now, this is in Great Britain, so I, I, I believe America's a little higher I would hope. But listen, this poll, in Great Britain, only 57% of church attendees believe the Bible is the Word of God. Only 57 that go to church believe the Bible is the Word of God. They should stay home. Why are they going? You know what I mean? And then only one-fourth of those confessing Christians believe in Great Britain that Jesus actually rose from the dead. That's a sad state of affairs. What happened in Great Britain? I'm telling you, and I believe it's a little bit higher. But it's, it's even impossible to go to heaven unless you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Now, there have been many numerous events that have helped shape nations, societies, history, individuals. My own personal testimony Got to, you know, when I go places and things happen, I just have to tell you about it. I'm, I'm not the kind that holds it in. just have to tell people. And this week on the way to Texas, I went to be a, a part of a son's gathering with Jack Taylor. You know Jack is my spiritual father in the Lord, one of them. And uh, to be a good son, no, to be a good father, you've got to be a son to somebody. A good son, does that make sense? You, you know, you need fathers in the Lord. And I'm a father, but... Uh, I'm also a son. So anyway, I went to hang out with those guys. And, and on the way there, and I, I got to tell you this, it was beautiful. We stayed at a ranch. It was really cool. Great place to go for a son's gathering. I'm telling you, I, was, I had a wonderful time. It was a mountain. But anyway, on the way, I knew God, he, he put in my heart, he said, I'm sending you here to pick up something, something to recapture something. So I knew that. And I thought, well, what is it? You know, I know what it is. I was born in Amarillo, and though Mineral Wells, Texas, is about three or so hours, you know, east of Amarillo. Well, why would God send you there? I mean, big deal. I was born there. That's a good thing. I, that can't be it. There's got to be more than that. What am I going to go be reborn? You know, no. So then I thought, wait a minute, Waco. I had some incredible encounters with God in Waco. For example, one time driving from Waco to Dallas to some meetings going on, there's an there used to be an Assembly of God church on I-35. Now there's so many interstates around Dallas, I don't know. 
But anyway, I couldn't find it last time I was driving through there. But I remember the Assembly of God Church, and there was a little chapel. And as I'm driving, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go in the chapel. So I pulled off. Now, this was a long time ago when I lived there. And I, and I went in that chapel, just a little bitty, maybe 10 by 10 or something. And I got in, and, and the Lord gave me a choice. He, in my heart, it wasn't open, but it was in my heart. And then I saw, he said, now you choose. On the left, and I was in my 20s, he said, on the left, you could be a great evangelist. You could preach in big mega churches. You could make a lot of money. You could be very popular. You would have a wife. In those days, I was single, and I desperately wanted a wife. You could have all these things. But at the bottom, he said, you would not be in my perfect will. Now, first of all, that, you mean you can have all those things and not be in the perfect? But then on the right, he said, or I'll send you to a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere. You won't be very popular. You're not going to make much money. You're going to be all by yourself. But you will be in my perfect will. So I said, God, can we negotiate? Maybe, you know, you know, a few things. No, I didn't say that. I'm not negotiating. God doesn't negotiate, does he, Dylan? I said, you know, God, I want the right. And right after that, he opened the door and sent me to a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere. You, I promise you, you would not find that church if you went to Philippi, West Virginia. I was all by myself. I didn't make any money. I lived in a trailer. First couple years, I was all by myself. But that's where Shirley showed up. I mean, you know, God has a way of changing things. I'll never forget the Sunday. I'd always stood on Genesis chapter 2, where it says that God brought the woman to the man. Remember that verse? He To Adam. God brought the woman to the man. And I stood on it often. I said, God, if you brought Adam a woman, you're going to bring me a woman. I believe it. And I know the scripture says, he that finds a wife has found a good thing. And has obtained favor from the Lord. And I stood on that. One time I told you the story. I got mad because I kept praying that and nothing happened. I threw my Bible at God one time. Now, he, I literally did. I picked up my Bible. Now, he ducked. I missed him. But, uh, you know, it was one of those moments I went and picked it up. God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw my Bible. Uh, but, you know, you just got to be real. God wasn't upset. He doesn't get upset when you get upset. God, what's wrong? What are you? Are you a friend or foe? You know, you should tell him sometimes. And if he's your friend, sometimes he will appear as a foe. It's called the cross. You've got to go by way of the cross. You have to die. And anyway, Shirley showed up, and then not too long after that, a year or so after, Josh showed up. And it was a pretty cool deal. But anyway, that wasn't, that wasn't it. So here's what happened. This week, I'm driving to Mineral Wells. I've not been to Mineral Wells that I knew of, but yes, I had, because I kept seeing these historical markers, you know, one mile, and I, I didn't, some of them I looked at, but it's like one of them stuck out, like you need to see this historical marker. So when I got there, I looked over, and it said, U.S. Army, Fort Walters, W-O-L-T-E-R-S, Fort Walters, helicopter, primary helicopter base. It's abandoned. It's closed. Been abandoned for lots and lots of years. But that's that, it's in my book. That's the place where when I was 14 years old, let me tell you what happened. I was 14 years old in Louisiana, and, we, and I played this sport called team handball. It's like soccer. Hockey and basketball rolled up in one. It's in the gym. 
and you have a ball that you can chunk and you the guys can uh, get about 30 feet from you and they can run at you but they have to jump before the line and I'm the goalie that's why I got to play soccer with you someday because I still got it in me man I'm telling you but any but I got it I but anyway you know we played the sport so we go to Fort Walters and that night everybody went to the amusement park but me I didn't want to go I'm 14 if we would win at Fort Walters we would go to San Antonio and play for the like the national championships you know representing the Army Reserve I, I don't even know if they have that sport they do have it in the Olympics but anyway that night I, I got up in my barracks we stayed in a barracks and I uh, got up on my bunk and I just started dreaming of how to block the shots you know what I mean I'm gonna be there and I prayed God this is my chance let me be a champion Lord I want to be a champion I want to go to the national championships so anyway I went to bed went to sleep they got in late the next day was one of those times I was blocking if they threw the ball to the right I was there way before they threw it if they to the left I was there I was there it, now I didn't win it by myself obviously it's a team game but I was a goalie and I blocked everything and we won and we were champions and we went to San Antonio I'm not gonna tell you what happened in San Antonio but anyway Fort Walters is where it happened but anyway God okay so there I am I said Fort Walters so I drive on the base I find the barracks that uh, it's still there it's got weeds growing up around it and you know the helicopters I remember that when we saw there must have been you know as a, as a boy if there were a couple hundred it looked like a couple million because I remember it looked like there were millions of helicopters on that base where'd they move them all I don't even know they may not even do that kind of stuff anymore I guess they're on ships but anyway I find the barracks and God was just stirring in my heart saying you didn't you forgot where this was but I didn't and I led you here to recapture and I'm telling you we have a great purpose great destiny say I've got a destiny I found out something at this Sun's gathering that people know about Moravian Falls all over America no all over the world and they're waiting for a sound to come out of Moravian Falls they're waiting for the fire of God they're waiting remember Jack Taylor's word as you go America will go the church is waiting so I'm just telling you I'm here saying guys it's it's time to get this show on the road Jack told me to challenge you don't ask for revival anymore live it live it believe it walk in it express it experience it believe God's gonna do it and um, so I'm just telling you it's time to win because we're more than conquerors you're more than a conqueror I'm telling you those guys were big I wasn't the biggest guy on the block at 14 years old but we won and you're gonna win if you know Christ Jesus in this hour and so I think that's what God is doing I think it's what he's saying and um, so let's get ready oh by the way you know these events Philippi when we lived in Philippi they're known West Virginia as the first the site of the first land battle of the Civil War not the first shot but the first land battle and they that's their claim to fame they used to have a covered bridge there they built it back but I remember I was in Texas at one of those James Robinson Milton Green Bible conferences and Shirley was on the phone at a gas station oh you're trying to fill up the car well how do we talk we didn't have cell phones in those days you told me later 
You told me later. But anyway, she's at a gas station by the covered bridge and the covered... Anyway, somebody drives across and throws a cigarette out. And the gas leaks on the covered bridge and it blows up and it's right by Shirley. Shirley. So she tells me about that, right? There's more. Are you pregnant at that time too? Oh, we didn't know it. No. That's the meeting. We were having a hard time getting pregnant. Now, I wasn't having a hard time. You were having a hard time. No, 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 no. No, tell people. You had. Okay. Now that we have slaughtered this story, a gasoline tanker was filling up, filling the um, underground tanks at this gas station, which was a little ways up the hill from the covered bridge. The fellow went in to get a cup of coffee and overflowed the gas tank by 500 gallons, which flowed into the bridge, which is why the bridge, bridge caught on fire, this historic bridge caught on fire. It's the longest bridge, longest span, uh, covered bridge to be in continuous use, like ever. And it was an idol in the little community. And the elder from our church had written an article about idols in the newspaper like a week and a half before and how the bridge had become an idol, you know, and, and, and then it blew up, or not blew up, but burned down. Anyway, I was, I was just starting to put gas in the car when these, uh, this couple had run out of the bridge and, the, and I could see it was in flames and all that kind of thing. And anyway... Uh, long story short, we, we, I couldn't get into my car. It was too crazy. I couldn't make the key work. You know how it is when you're panicked. So we ran to my house. And, and so that's, that's that part of the story. So when I told him about it, um, anyway, you can pick it up from there. Yes. That was the meeting. How do you remember all those things? I didn't remember that article by Boyd Wickheiser. Yeah, the idols. And then God burnt down the idol. Now, that's pretty cool. You know, that's pretty good stuff. But I remember she couldn't get pregnant. And so they, John Wimber was speaking at that meeting. And I went forward for Shirley and to pray because he had an anointing to break that yoke. And, and uh, so anyway, nine months later, Joshua popped out. And it was pretty cool. So God was moving. And then there are other things. Do you remember this? Did you have that little thing that happened on the moon? Yeah, go ahead and put that in. You remember this? This was a major event. Let's see if we can get it. I'm going to step off the limb. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. You remember that? How many of you remember? You know, one small step. My granddad never believed it. I don't know, maybe before he passed away he did, but I remember when they did that and we were all watching on the news, you know. My granddad said, no, that didn't happen. They staged that out in the deserts of New Mexico. I said, granddad, that ain't how, you know, what are you talking about? Can't you see there's a man in the moon? The man, that's him. That's the guy that stepped on the moon. But anyway, and there have been a lot of events that have shaped society, shaped nations. But I want to tell you, the single greatest event that has ever occurred was the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then nothing compares with that. And I just wanted to share some things and then we're going to turn it over to Billy and let him just share this last message. But 1 Corinthians and chapter 1 verse 18. Let me read some things just to set some, a foundation. Verse 18, 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so it's foolishness on one hand, you know, the story of the cross. It's an absolute foolish story to those that are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the, it is the power of God, and it is the only way that you and I can be saved. Remember going back to, to Genesis after, you know, God gave Adam woman, Eve, and then, you know, the serpent showed up and tempted Eve, and Eve ate from the tree, the fruit from the tree in the midst of the garden, then gave to her husband, he ate. You remember what happened? It said they, they were naked and they did what? They hid themselves. They ran and they hid themselves from God. They were separated from God for the first time. And that's what redemption, that's what the cross came to do. It came to rebuild the bridge between man who had lost his way and was is hiding, separated, to bring that, that relationship, to reunite. It's the only way you'll ever be reunited with God, right? There's no other way. It's by way of the cross. It's the bridge that leads us back to him. And uh, then 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And again, it's offensive. You know why the cross is offensive to the world? What do you think? Give me some answers. Why is the cross offensive? What's that? Feel threatened. That's it. It's threatened, yeah, that's a good, you got it. There are a lot of ways to express it. But it's because there's nothing you can do on your own to get to God. Religion is an utter failure. If you think your religion is getting you to heaven, you're in for the shock of your lives. In fact, we saw last week, remember what Jesus said? Narrow is the way, and few that find it, and difficult. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Because the cross is narrow, and it's the only way. It's foolish to those that are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved. Religion will not save us. Good works. I, I took advantage sitting by guys on the plane, and, you know, I'd ask them. And, of course, the first answer you always get, you know, what, how do you know you would get to heaven? Why would God let you in heaven if something happened on this trip that we're on? We went down. You know, well, I'm a good person. I've done a lot of good things. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? Wrong. That's not it. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be good enough. That's why it's an offense. And then the cross is a symbol of judgment. You remember that movie, um, National Treasure? So they're searching for a treasure. They find this great, unbelievable treasure underneath an old church. Now, that's prophetic. The treasure is in us, all right? The treasure. But anyway, they break into the church and all, and the detective says, you know, somebody's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to go to jail. And what's his name, the, the star? Nicholas. He said, well, I don't want to go. He said, but the detective said, well, somebody's got to go to jail. And, of course, the guy that's chasing Nicholas Cage ends up in jail. Again, the cage. He went into the cage. And, you know, so it is. Somebody's got to pay the price. You got to know, either you will pay the price for your sin. You, I'm telling you, you don't want to pay that price, but you will, unless you let Him do it for you. It's the only way to. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we surrender our life, we surrender our sin at the cross. We come to Him, 
and surrender in his lordship. And there's a heavenly exchange. And then the cross and the resurrection is the way of God's redemption. Let me read this, 1 Peter. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Say corruptible things. Like silver or gold. From your, or here's another, or from your aimless conduct received by the tradition from your fathers. I don't know how many people you ask them about their relationship with God. They, they'll tell you, well, my dad was a bishop. I, what, that happened this week. My dad was a bishop of a church. So? It's a big deal. What about you? Who do you say he is? And that's the deal. And he goes on, but we've been redeemed. It says, not by the tradition of the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then another thing about the cross. It must be the object of our faith. And we'll just remind you of this. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Well, we'll go ahead and read that. Verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. And there are a lot of modern day in the religious crowd want to come in excellency of speech or in the wisdom of man. Neither one of them work. For I determined not to know, or to, yeah, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Say persuasive. Persuasive words. But in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And it's not, we're not going to be persuaded. You're not going to be, I sat next to a Jewish guy yesterday on the way back. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I told him, you know, following Jesus is not like buying insurance. You're not going to be, I could never persuade you, but the Holy Spirit can persuade you. And when we come to him, and I'm telling you, he's the one that's going to persuade America. The Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Spirit. I prophesy there's going to be a day people will walk into this place and they will fall on their face before they get to their seats because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This nation was founded upon great awakenings where that's what happened. There was great conviction. It wasn't the excellency of speech. It wasn't the wisdom of men. It was the power of God. And that's where our hope is. It's in the cross. And then the cross is a shame and a disgrace. But it opens a door to great joy. Remember that scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. You know, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. You ever thought about that? He despised the shame. The Lord wasn't, he wasn't anxious to be nailed to the cross. I mean, it hurt. How many of you know it hurts? It hurt. It hurt. Pain. But like they say, there's no gain without pain. And so the Lord saw it. He saw the joy that would come before him. And so it is with you and me. Hey, it's painful to take up your cross every day and follow Jesus Christ. It's painful to the flesh. You're going to lose. You may lose popularity. Now, you know, that still blows me away to this day. You could, I could have been a popular evangelist, big churches, and not been in the center of your will. How can that be? Well, you'll have to ask him, but that's what he told me. And I tell you, the way is the will of God. I don't care what it looks like. If you follow him, his will, it may look like foolishness to men, but it's the favor and the purpose of God. 
It's the only way of success. Take up your cross and follow him. He had to endure. I saw this neat scripture. I hope I can remember it. But it's 1 Timothy, but he's talking about, you know, that it's a worthy and full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to save sinners, of which I am the chief. Remember that? Paul said, I'm the chief. He said, but the Lord gave me mercy. I'm going to paraphrase. Gave me mercy and showed the world his long suffering through me so that those who were going to be saved would believe unto everlasting life. Something like that. But that just struck out. God, do you mean you're going to show the world those who are yet have been saved or to be saved because there's a harvest coming through our testimony, through our lives, the long suffering of God and the goodness and the mercy of God? I don't know if you catch it. You need to go back and look at it. Say, God, give me revelation. But I'm just telling you, he's long-suffering. He's full of mercy. And he's going to use you and me and our testimonies of how we missed it. But God still loved us so that others will be saved who follow us. Where do you endure all things for the sake of the lost? All things for the sake of the lost. Don't give up. If you give up, people will go to hell because you didn't endure. You didn't stand firm until the end. And there's a testimony, but God, I, when I saw that, and then that last verse says, now unto the king. Remember that? Now unto the king eternal, immortal. Say it with me. Invisible. The, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. That's cool. Now unto the king. He's a king and he has a kingdom. And his sons are taking their position in this hour. And they're about ready to rise up with swords in their hands to slay. Oh, you know one thing I forgot to tell you about that story. Then I'll pick back up. Back when I'm 14 years old, the, I couldn't sleep that night. And I kept asking God, you know, okay, what do I pick up? I mean, a champion anointing. You know, I'm trying to think of all the things, endurance, perseverance, doing the impossible because it was impossible, whatever it was. But he, he asked me, what was going on in the world at that time that you won that championship? Then I started thinking, wait a minute. The world, my world, was erupting in violence. Where I lived in Louisiana, that's the year they integrated, and there, were, there was much chaos. There were riots in the streets. They thought, like, my hometown, Bogalusa, was one of the strongholds of the KKK. And so the Black Panthers had come, and we were on NBC. They, they really believed the town was going to be burned down. And I remember a black, you know, our sheriff, God bless him, appointed a black deputy. They killed the deputy. So the town was erupting in violence. And I remember the riots in my school. Well, what happened was our football team. Now, you, you see the movie Remember the Titans. It may have happened in Virginia. It happened where we were better than that than in Virginia because our football team came together, black and white, and that's the only year we won the Louisiana State Championship in football when the black guys and the white guys came together in the midst of all the riots, and it was just like that movie. And so the Lord was reminding me, there we won the state championship. It was the highest level, 5A football in that day, or 4A, but it was the highest level in Louisiana. Then we won the championship in the midst of chaos. And God was saying, remember, remember. I don't care what chaos erupts in America, in North Korea, in the earth, 
wherever. I don't care what chaos erupts. You have a mantle. You've got, you are a son of the living God. And you have a calling and a purpose. And you're not going to be threatened by what's breaking out around you. Because you're going to win in the midst of it. Because you're going to carry the cross and declare his kingdom. Now under the king eternal. The king who has sons. Man, I'm telling you, if you guys aren't jumping, I am. I'm excited. It just still blows me away. I've been preaching for 30-something years, and there's more fire today than there was in those early years. And I'm telling you, if I can preach for another 10, 15, 20 years, going to be more fire then, Deb, than there is today. I'm not a dripless candle, or somehow, whatever that prophecy was. No. Yeah, I'm going to stay on fire. You hang around us, you're going to be on fire. If you're not on fire, you need to, listen, you need to come sign up at this altar. We want the fire of God on you. America's got to erupt in revival in this hour. You've got a purpose. You've got a purpose. I was telling that Jewish guy next to me yesterday, look, God created you for a purpose, and until you find your Messiah, you're going you're gonna to be wondering what you were meant to do all your life. And he was listening. He was listening. Got to pray for him. Jewish guy. Pretty cool. Oh, man. I wish you could have been with me when I went back to Fort Walters to go around and try to find the barracks. I went in one building. I thought it were the barracks. It was a post office. No, it wasn't a post office. Today it was. There was a guy living in there, like a homeless guy or something. I don't know. He had candles. He's living in there. And he's telling me, oh, no, the barracks, those are the barracks. You probably, yes, so I went down there. But anyway, I left that guy, almost got back, and I, the Holy Spirit started convicting me. Why didn't you talk to him? This is your one chance. When are you going to run into him again? Yeah, but God, I got to get back. It's almost supper time. You ever been there? It's almost supper time. God, can't you? I know what, God, I'll pray for him. Lord, would you bless that guy in that barracks, in that old post office? Lord said, you go pray for him. You know what I mean? We got to get, listen, got to get real. What else you got to do but the will of God? So I said, okay. So I turned around, went back, you know. And anyway, I walk in there and, this guy needed, I'm telling you, his wife left him. He's down. He, first thing he said, I said, man, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? You know, what's going on? He says, man, I'm living Job. Well, I gave you, you know, that pretty well told the story. So his wife left him. His mom is dying of some disease. His 28-year-old son has cancer. And he said, you know, I just spoke to my son. I'm trying to get him to do a certain thing to... And he got mad at me, and now I'm separated from my son who's dying with cancer. I mean, this guy had a story, a long list. So I said, well, obviously I needed to come back. So I got to pray with him. And I don't know what's, what was his son's name. I can't remember. Cody. So let's just stop in a moment. I'm, I prayed for a miracle. Let's pray for a miracle. Lord, for Cody. God, Cody. We won't get to get any glory because he doesn't know who we are from Adam. So, Lord, we ask you, heal Cody. We curse the cancer in that 28-year-old boy. We break the power of that infirmity and disease. We cancel the sentence of death, and we speak life, and we pray, cancer, go. And we are thinking of other sons, too, that we know of, that have cancer, go. In the name of Jesus, and others, mothers, dads. We serve notice. We serve an eviction notice. Cancer, go. Over the airways, over the web stream, go in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the one who rose from the dead and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, we loose your power, your healing, your anointing.
Lord, raise up testimonies like you did in Norway. God, raise up testimonies of where cancer was healed. In Jesus' name. Amen. And then it's the cross where we find forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, you know what everybody's looking for? Forgiveness. We've said this before. Do you know why everybody feels guilty? Because we're guilty. You don't explain it away. Well, I'm not really guilty. It's their fault. It's his fault. Your fault. No, it's your fault. Lord, I've sinned. So just confess it. I'm telling you, to be forgiven. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all. That means incurably sick. We have a disease no one can cure. It's called sin. That's what the whole world has in common. You know, we think about Kim Jong-un. I don't remember his name, but in North Korea, he seems like a pretty bad, lost, demonized man. You know, he really does. How I many do you? You know what I'm talking about. Just, and he's got that nation. But you know, he's just a sinner. He's just a sinner. The gospel could change his whole life. In fact, God's about to do something in North Korea that's going to get him such glory. I don't know how it's all going to unfold. I don't know, but there's a harvest coming out. There's a church in North Korea right now, an underground church in North Korea, getting ready for whatever's about to happen in that land. But I'm telling you, God's going to have the final word. Let him have the final word in you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Either you'll take your sins with you to the cross and you are to your own cross, your grave, or you'll give them to him. And then, you know, just one thing about forgiveness. I, I think I've shared this. When I was in grammar school, Pleasant Hill Elementary School in Bogalusa, Louisiana, Monday through Thursday I lived, well, I, you could have called me a little devil, but on Friday I was an angel. Because Fridays, the teacher would call on somebody to wash the blackboard. Now, they don't have blackboards anymore. They have whiteboards and things. But in those days, they would send us to the janitor's closet to get a bucket of something. I don't know, it might have been water, but you spray this stuff, and we would, you get out of class. So I'd go see my buddies. I'd go get a drink of water. That was a crime in those days. you sneak out and get a drink of water. I was serious in grammar school, you know, or chew gum. That was, you could go really in a lot of trouble for chewing gum. You know, things have changed, haven't they? But anyway, I, that on Fridays, I'd, I want to get the bucket. And so you'd go in there and you'd clean all the stuff that uh, was written all week. Brand spanking new blackboard. That's what happens to your heart. Your heart is stained, but God wipes it. The blood of Jesus washes it away. There's nothing like it. Okay, the next thing, I want to go quickly because I want to turn in Billy. You get ready to go with him, all right? The cross is the greatest love story that's ever been told. I tell Shirley all the time, we're living a dream. And you are when you let God make the choice for you. And he did. I had to die to my choice in order to get God's. We, my mom and dad lived a dream. My mom got Alzheimer's. My dad served my mom, took care of my mom for almost 10 years with Alzheimer's. He loved my mom to the end. He believed that God was going to heal my mom to the very end. And then she died, and within 24 hours, he died. He said, I'm going to be with her. Now, he had cancer at the same time. It was just crazy. But we had a double funeral. I'll never forget. It was an amazing testimony to our city. A husband that served and loved and cared for his wife, never deserted her, kept his vows serious. But the greatest love story, John 3:16, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. Also, the, the cross is where hope is eternal. We won't read there, but you, it talks about in 1 Corinthians about hope. If, you know, if in this life only we have hope, we're of all men most miserable. But our hope is eternal. Can you believe this? We get to live forever. People want to find the fountain of youth. We found it. His name is Jesus. He's the fountain of youth. The eternal life is a gift. And then the cross is about death being defeated. Now, we're all going to one day, we're, we're going to meet the undertaker unless Jesus comes back, right? And we may not have, maybe they'll just stick us in a box and stick us in, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be with him to depart from this life. But I know there's going to be a resurrected body too, so take care of my body. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about all that stuff. You don't worry about the body. If you burn me up, then God will just raise me up somehow out of the ashes. You know what I mean? I just... Someone asked me one time, what happens if you burn your body? I don't know. He's God. He could probably figure out how to put all that ash back together. Because you're going to get a glorified body. I just have a feeling of that. But anyway, I'm telling you, we're going to, death has been defeated. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then it's how man gains peace with God. You are an enemy of God because of sin. You're at odds with God. You, it's, you're in a war, you will not win, I promise you. But if you surrender to him, if that's what the scripture says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law, the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man, making, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. And then we've been rescued out of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, we're going to talk more about this in coming weeks, but we're part of a kingdom, guys. A kingdom, the only kingdom that is going to last forever. Every other kingdom is going to crumble, but the kingdom of God. And we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And if you read that verse, it's in the context of a great shaking. So the shaking is going to happen, but we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But we're receiving grace. And uh, God is going to use us, our testimony, in a powerful way. The kingdom of God. Boy, listen, you get a king, you get to be a subject. The kingdom is within you. It lasts forever. That, you can't get a better deal than that. And then it's available for you today. It happened 2,000 years. A lot of people, that's where they are in America. They've heard it. They've heard the gospel till almost they're sick. And they say, I heard that. I've heard it. It happened 2,000 years ago. No, yes, it did. But the benefits, it's applicable to today. Every time you say yes to Jesus Christ, it happens. It's surrender to him, the cross. This is Billy Graham's last message to the church in America. So let's listen and then we'll wrap it up. As I look back over my life, it's full of surprises. I never thought I would become friends with people in different countries all over the world. God so loved the world that he gave his own I see how God's hand guided me. When I began preaching many years ago, 
It is not with any thoughts that I've been preaching to large audiences. Come to the cross. His gospel is for everyone. God has done this. Christ is alive. Modern America today, there is a vacuum of the soul. Our country is in great need of a spiritual awakening. Well, there have been times that I've wept as I've gone from city to city and I've seen how far people have wandered from God. Of all the things that I've seen and heard, there's only one message that can change people's lives and hearts. There is a way if you come by the way of the cross. I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross. Not the cross that hangs on a wall or around someone's neck. We receive our freedom purchased by the ransom at the cross. But the real cross of Christ. The cross expresses the great love of God for man. It's scarred and bloodstained. His was a rugged cross. His real purpose for coming was to die. I know that many will react to this message, but it is the truth. And with all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth. God says, I love you. I love you. I love you with an everlasting love. And he loves you, willing to forgive you of all your sins. The cross is offensive because it confronts people. Even so, it's a confrontation that all of us must face. I look out across an audience when I stand up to preach and I think of all the people with their different backgrounds and their various needs and I know that they are objects of God's mighty love to the point that he gave his son, his only son, to die upon a cross and the cross was the most terrible form of execution by the Romans for criminals. And Jesus endured all that in our place because of our sins. We deserve the cross. We deserve hell. We deserve judgment and all that that means. I know that there are many people that dispute that. People don't want to hear that they're sinners. To many people, it's an offense. The cross is offensive because it directly confronts the evils which dominate so much of this world. One reason that the cross is an offense to people is because it demands, doesn't suggest, it demands a new lifestyle in all of us. Sin is a disease in the human heart. It affects the mind and the will and the emotions. Every part of our being is affected by this disease. How can we break this bondage? How can we be set free? God helps us break those chains. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. He can make you a totally new person. On that cross, God was laying on Jesus our sins. They not only put nails in his hands, but before that, they'd scourged him. A Roman scourge was a terrible thing. They took whips and pellets on those whips and beat a person almost to death. And then they took that cross and made him carry the cross, which was in his weakened condition was almost impossible. But he carried that cross to a place outside of Jerusalem. And then they put nails in his hands. But that was not the real suffering. The real suffering is when he said, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that terrible moment, he and God the Father were separated. He shed his blood, and the shedding of that blood carries with it God's very life. There is no other way of salvation except through the cross of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The only way to the Father, Father God, is through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now why Jesus? He's the only one that was born into this world without sin. But more than that, he was a righteous one. And when you come to him, you're clothed in his righteousness. God no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your own heart. He sees Jesus. When you come to Christ, you come by the way of repentance. Repent means to change. To change your way of living and turn from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ and say, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I know that you're the only one that can change me. Today, I'm asking you to put your trust in Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, sentence by sentence, after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you've died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I repent of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. He's alive! I've given my life not to a dead Christ, 
but to a living Christ. And he's given me a song to sing. He's given me a flag to follow. I have reason for existence. I know where I've come from. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. Do you? Hey, just with our heads bowed, just in it, just the quietness of this atmosphere, if you prayed that prayer, if you're watching by web stream, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you believe that Jesus has come into your heart, you, you want him as your Lord and Savior, just, just stand where you are. Anybody in here pray that prayer for the first time maybe or maybe again and now you know you meant it and he came in and you want him in your heart, your life. Just stand where you are. Is anybody? I believe there's someone here. I believe it. Amen. Amen. Just stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray. Seal that prayer. Seal that prayer. Lord, we turn to you. I know there are people that prayed it. And God, there are people that watched and will watch that will pray that. Thank you. Thank you for salvation. God bless you for being bold. God bless you. Lord, thank you for salvation. You said, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. We believe, we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. We thank you for repentance, and God, when we repent and turn, that you give us power and grace to live the rest of our lives for you. And I ask you to fill these now with the Holy Spirit, with power, God, let the fire of God and the witness of heaven be upon them that this would be the first day of the rest of their lives. And we thank you. Now give them boldness to follow up like my nephew today. Be baptized and follow the Lord. Live for him. And we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we just want to remind you as Moravian Falls, can we just do this? Lord, how many of you would agree with me? We're available. In this hour, America needs another great awakening. That's why we're here. There's no other reason. No other. So, Lord, we just again, as a people, we surrender to the purpose of heaven. Lord, if whatever's written about Moravian Falls in that book in heaven, we take it and we devour it and we choose to live it out. Everyone is individuals. Lord, we thank you. For this hour that we get to live, we get to live. We get to live. And we get to live every day pursuing you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, would you just now just send the wind again? Lord, nothing we can do except belief. And we do. We do. Lord, I ask you to send fresh fire. If you're hungry for God to use you, you say, I want God to use me in this hour. Like, I don't know. I'm about to, I want him to use me. Just stand. I'm going to pray. Fresh anointing, fresh oil. I want God to use me. I want him to use me. Lord, we pray. You see these. Right now, we pray for the release of heaven, the fire of God. Lord, right now, we just, we come to you. We lay down. We bow before you again. Now just say this, say, here am I, send me. Just say it. Here am I, send me. Lord, it's as simple as that. We yield to you. 
We can't, but you can. We don't have, but you have it all. Lord, we, we're weak. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And we thank you, our spirit and your spirit. So come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you for this week, for breakthroughs in every life, families, co-workers. Lord, I pray heaven would come to the earth this week through these people, through our lives, divine appointments. Lord, we just right now, we put all our personal disappointments at the cross. We lay it down. And we thank you. This is a new day, new appointments, new strategy, new vision, new fire, new day, new day, new day. And Lord, we're not letting you go. We're not letting go of the horn of the altar till you send an awakening to America. Until you bring in the harvest and where the son would receive the reward of his suffering. We believe you for it. And you're here. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know at times I know he's here. Other times I feel like I don't know where he is, but I know he's here. He's here. He's with you. He wants you to know that. He's standing beside you. I just saw he's putting his arm around you. He's saying, I love you. I love you, son, daughter. I love you. Trust me. Trust me. Thank you. And Lord, there are miracles that need to happen too. We pray, God, sovereignly. I believe this is how it's going to happen. Lord, sovereign. Right now, there are miracles in this place. We grab hold. We grab hold of what heaven has and we say, bring it to earth, God, yes and amen. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, all around us as it is in heaven. Miracles, healing, deliverance, addictions broken. Right now, someone is addicted to alcohol. We break it now. We sever that legal right that in the enemy had. By the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus, through repentance. You repent. Say, God, forgive me. I repent. I'm sorry. I repent. And Lord, we thank you. It's broken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's some marriages right now. They're on, on the rocks. And I hear the Lord saying, the rock is coming. The rock that is greater. So, Lord, we just pray. The rocks that the marriage is on, Lord, let them go off wherever, but Lord, we pray for the rock that is greater than I to come, the rock, Jesus. We declare your lordship over that family. We break every division, misunderstanding, suspicion, every lie that's been spoken. We break the power that would divide and conquer in the name of Jesus. We declare the victory of the Lord over that house. God, we ask for a miracle. Awaken that husband. Awaken that wife to the reality of who you are. God, you're the answer they're looking for. That husband's not perfect. That wife's not perfect. You are perfect. Lord, show yourself strong in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, he heard that prayer. Let all the nations of